Welcome to this special edition of the IHSA Safety Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Rayner. Recently, at a small business event in London, Ontario, I had the opportunity to hear the story of Eulogio Guterres, who was known best by his friends and colleagues as Bot. The story of Bot Guterres was shared by his son, Eugene Guterres, who joins us on the podcast today. For our listeners, please be aware that the story Eugene is going to share may contain information that may be difficult for some of our listeners. As the story touches on pain, sorrow, anger, frustration, and many other challenging emotions. So, Gene, sincere welcome to the uh, IHSA podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Great. Thanks for having me, Ken. And Eugene, you know, I... um, Hearing about your dad, and you know, we've we obviously had an opportunity after the event in London to talk a bit um, and sort of compare stories about our parents and compare stories about our dad. So I have, I, you know, I I feel like I had a chance to know your dad a bit, um, which I think makes your story even more compelling for me and more important. So um, wh- why don't, if you would, just tell the audience about this great great father you you know you had named Bakateras. Great. Yeah, no, I I would love to. Thank you. Um well, where do I start? I mean, you know, my dad was a pretty laid back guy. Um, you know, very down to earth. He was the type of guy who, you know, really enjoyed his personal time at home. So, you know, he'd be often found either tending to his garden where, you know, he had a really incredible green thumb, um, you know, grew many vegetables in his backyard. I mean, you know, the guy built like three greenhouses. I mean, he he probably could have filled the whole backyard with greenhouses if he could, but uh, that's how much he loved it. And, uh, you know, and if he wasn't gardening, um, you know, he could be found baking or experimenting with, with new recipes. He really enjoyed being in the, in the kitchen. And, um, yeah, I mean, if not doing those things, uh, you know, uh, you know, he loved playing video games. That's something him and I really bonded over or or also uh, tinkering on the computer. And so, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I tell people he was kind of ahead of his time, you know, you'd hear about like social media memes and funny pictures. Well, he had this thing of, you know, photoshopping people's faces or, or you know, their, their bodies and, you know, really comical scenes and, you know, Unfortunately, uh, most of that was to my expense. So, uh, but you know, everyone else on my, uh, you know, social media feeds, they, they, they seem to enjoy it and they would laugh it up. And uh, he was, you know, he just, he, he lived for that stuff. So, but what's funny is that, uh, you know, what he really should have been doing instead of like messing around the computer was uh, the whole point was really to archive family photos and digitizing, um, you know, old family videos off, uh, you know, VHS tapes, if anyone still remembers what that is. But, uh, but yeah, you know, he was a reserved guy and, uh, he was very much the kind of guy too, that, uh, you know, if you ran into him at the grocery store or at work, um, you know, he would greet you with a smile and, crack jokes and, you know, break out in laughter that, uh, I mean, honestly was very contagious. Uh, and he was very much known for that. Um, you know, he was very much a person who, you know, loved making people feel happy. Uh, you know, he had a big heart and he liked to keep things lighthearted and simple. And, uh, you know, even though he was my dad and, you know, in my adult years, and I'm sure you could probably appreciate as well too. Um, you know, him and I really got to a place where we treated and saw each other as best friends. And uh, 
you know, him and I really looked forward to spending more time together during his retirement years. But, uh, but yeah, that's my dad in a nutshell, you know, he's, uh, he's a piece of work. (laughs) And Eugene, you know, I, you know, uh, from what you've shared with me, uh, before, and even right now, you know, what comes to mind, uh, having never met your father is just someone that brightens up a room when he comes in, just has that positive energy that sort of lifts everyone's spirits and puts a smile on their face, on their face and the the type of person that you want to be around. Right. Um, for sure. And and as, as I understand, uh, on, on Monday, November the 27th, 2017, for you and your family, all that changed. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. So yeah, on, uh, on the Monday of November 27th, 2017. Um, so my father, uh, so he was a seasoned mining surveyor, uh, of 30 years. And, uh, you know, it was the it was the start of a work week, uh, just a regular routine shift underground. Um, you know, his task at hand was to survey a, a newly developing area of the mind, um, where you know there's lots of drilling taking place. There's there's water pumps. There's loud ventilation fans going on. You know, it was uh, you know made for quite the noisy environment, but uh, nevertheless. Um, his job was to do surveying work. And, and for those who aren't familiar uh, with that type of work, you know, it really does demand a lot of attention and focus as, you know, you're ensuring that, uh, you know, the calculations and the measurements that you're taking are, are precise and, and done properly. So one does their very best to, you know, try and filter out all those distractions in order to, you know, get the job done. So, you know, that said, within the same space that my dad was working in, um, you know, a mining scoop tram, uh, think of this like low profile tractor underground, um, you know, it was, it was uh, you know, coming in and out of the same space to remove muck and debris from recent, recent blasting that had occurred. And, you know, sadly, through a combination of, you know, assumptions on the whereabouts of personnel, uh, communication breakdown, uh, makeshift barriers being removed, uh, as well as, you know, key personnel leaving the space momentarily that, you know, otherwise those individuals would have acted as a second pair of eyes, uh, tragedy struck that morning. And so, you know, about a couple hours into the shift, uh, the operator of the mining scoop tram, uh, had turned a sharp corner to collect another load of muck unaware that my father uh, had returned to the space to take additional readings and, uh, you know, falling within the blind spot of this scoop tram, which many miners know, like this vehicle is notorious for having um, a wide array of blind spots. Um, You know, the operator didn't see my father and you know, my father, who was also at the time, uh, you know, so intently focused on the work that he was doing, capturing measurements from his surveying equipment, you know, he didn't know what was approaching behind him. And so unfortunately, uh, the operator had tragically struck my father from behind and, uh, you know, the the front of the bucket severing my father at the legs and, and scooped him into the, into the bucket along with the muck and debris. Um, that, you know, he was there to collect. And so, you know, it wasn't until he unloaded the debris onto another level of the mine that the operator discovered my father's body. And, you know, despite having first responders dispatched and, you know, immediately rushing to the aid of my father, um, you know, it was too late. 
um, you know, he was already dead. And so, you know, I remember getting that phone call <clears throat> from my mom, um, you know, like it was yesterday, you know, I can still remember taking that call and remembering how shaky her, shaky her voice was and, you know, hearing the words, you know, huge there, you know, there was an accident, um, you know, daddy's dead, you know, daddy's dead. And, uh, you know, hearing that repeated over and over as if, you know, it's like just shock of like, you know, did this actually happen? Um, you know, I didn't want to believe it, you know, cause, uh, you know, the reality is I had just spoke with the guy over the weekend, right before that shift. And, you know, it was just, it was like a bad dream that I so desperately wanted to wake up from. But, you know, sadly, I knew that there was no waking up from this. And that at the time, you know, I was away on business um, when I took the phone call. And I was about to enter uh, a client presentation when I took the call out in the hallway. And I just remember at the time just falling to the floor in the hallway, just screaming and crying. And, you know, suffice to say, it was the most painful moment in my life. And, you know, the awful part about it, too, is that, you know, the guy was just, you know, he was about six months away from retiring. And, uh, yeah, you know, not exactly how we envisioned yeah. him leaving the mine. Oh, well, Eugene, there's been a lot of healing that's gone on since that, that point in time, right? Maybe, you know, in the weeks and months following your, your father's tragic passing, what was your healing process and and how did you and your family reconstruct your life? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, to be honest, in the beginning, it, it took some time. You know, at the beginning, um, you know, there really, the really wasn't a healing process at the beginning, at least for me. And that was the problem. You know, I struggled with figuring out you know, how do I pull myself together to, to start any kind of healing process? You know, I, I didn't know how to deal with the grief of losing my, you know, losing my dad in such a horrific manner. And, you know, I just, I remember a few weeks after the funeral, you know, everyone goes away and, you know, reality sets in and, you know, you're really just left to your own devices. I just remember, you know, sitting alone in the basement, you know, I'd surround myself with old photographs and, you know, just looking at pictures of my dad. And I just remember just, you know, just sitting there and just crying until nothing else would come out. Um, not exactly, <laughs> at least, you know, when I reflect on that time, I, uh, you, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, for me, it didn't feel productive. It, 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 in, in, in hindsight, I, I, I don't even know if it did much for me. You know, I think about my mom, um, you know, God, God bless her. You know, she was such a strong woman of faith still is today. So, you know, so for her, you know, I looked at her during that moment and her healing process, you know, she really leaned on, you know, religion and, and her spirituality to, you know, as her North star to kind of give her the strength to move forward and help mend the broken pieces you know, of her life, of our life without my, without my father and, you know, my sister, you know, who, who really takes more after my dad, you know, she, you know, she kind of kept herself, 
you know, her grief, she kind of kept that mostly private. So, you know, when I looked at my sister, when I looked at my mom and I'm seeing how they're coping, you know, I, I was trying to figure out, well, okay, how, how do I navigate? Because, you know, for me, when I compare myself to them, you know, I was the type of person that, you know, I wanted and needed to take action. But, uh, you know, I didn't know where to begin uh, to heal. So, you know, while I was very blessed to have wonderful close friends, you know, who they were always there to lend an ear, um, you know, to stop by the house to, to bring the family anything we needed. You know, for me, I, I really needed someone who knew exactly, you know, what this thing was, what, what this thing I was going through. You know, I, I tried counseling through my company's EAP program at the time. And, uh, you know, but, you know, even that didn't seem to help because, you know, I'd be telling the counselor all these things. And unfortunately, you know, they were quite transparent too. You know, they just, they just couldn't relate to the same level. And, um, you know, truth be told, it wasn't until, uh, you know, I contacted my WSIB caseworker and I was really pleading to her. I said, you know, hey, you know, I'm at my wits end here and, you know, I need additional resources because the stuff that I'm trying is just not helping. And so, you know, she had put me in touch with an organization called Threads of Life. And, you know, it wasn't until that moment that, you know, I started learning about this organization and and, and the services that they provided to families that I started to realize, hey, you know, there could be something here because, you know, they really specialized in, you know, helping families deal with the aftermath of a workplace tragedy. So really, I'd say that, yeah, it wasn't until I met Threads of Life that that's when it that's when things started to click and, you know, the quote unquote healing process really started to take flight. Right. Um, and you and I met at an event where you were speaking on behalf of Threads of Life. Um, IHSA has been a partner of Threads of Life for uh, many, many years. And we, uh, we as well just admire um, uh, the services that they provide. And, and uh, um, you know, they have our full support. It's incredible what they provide out to the families. So maybe share, um, if you would, Eugene, what are some of those support services that you found from Threads to be so helpful to you and your family? Yeah, for sure. I mean, God, where do I, where do I begin? I mean, you know, first and foremost, like threads of life. <clears throat> so I mentioned, I really needed to find someone that could relate to what I was going through. And, you know, threads of life really provided me with a community of people that knew exactly what I was feeling. Um, you know, I was going through, um, you know, what I could expect on my journey of healing uh, on my journey to obtain answers regarding, you know, the investigation of my father's death. So in the beginning, you know, uh, what they helped me with was they paired me with a, another family member who experienced, you know, similar trauma from a workplace tragedy. And, and from there, I received peer support. So, you know, this was someone whom I could talk to, you know, as often as I needed to help me process my grief, to to help me navigate the road ahead, to, you know, answer any questions that I had about, you know, this, <laughs> this, this very unique experience I was going through. And truth be told, that that ability to relate to how I was feeling really was so instrumental to my healing process. Um, you know, the ability to relate 
uh, you know, even now I, I struggle with the words to fully articulate what that meant. It, it, it really made a big difference. And really from there, you know, I attended these family forums that were organized by Threads of Life where I had the opportunity to meet in person other family members and, you know, have the opportunity to also attend workshops to, you know, help with things like grief management, to learn tools and skills that I can employ to, you know, help manage my emotions and and help navigate, you know, that quote unquote new normal. And, you know, I can't overemphasize enough that, you know, the healing power of Threads of Life's community really was so powerful and inspiring that, you know, it moved me. Um, as you know, um, you know, having met at a, uh, um, at a speaking engagement that uh, I was uh, thankful to participate, that it really moved me to become a volunteer myself, to pay it forward and to help other family members, uh, and as well help raise awareness on the importance of workplace health and safety, that, you know, my transformation into being a strong advocate for safety not only aided my own healing, but, you know, it gave me a new identity. It also gave me an opportunity to fundamentally ensure that my father's death was not in vain and to really help keep his memory alive while ensuring that, you know, hey, I don't want any family or anyone to experience what I went through firsthand. Yeah. And Eugene, I can't thank you enough for being on this podcast. I know you've shared with us an incredibly personal story. Um, you know, could I ask, uh, ask maybe just in terms of what would be that message for all those Ontarians that are going to listen to this podcast? And if they're listening to it, maybe, you know, at night or, and they're thinking about that next day going off to work. So they're kissing their loved ones goodbye in the same way that your dad kissed your, you know, your dad, you know, would kiss your mom every day before he went to work. What's that message to those Ontarians that are going off to work um, from you today? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for those who are heading off to work, you know, I would, I would say to all of you, you know, we are never promised tomorrow. You know, we don't know what the future will bring. But, you know, what we do know what we can control is what we do in the present, in the here and now. You know, our actions matter, no matter how big or small. And, you know, safety in the workplace is not the job of one person, but it's a shared responsibility amongst everyone. So we all need to do our part to not only look out for ourselves, but to look out for one another. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we all matter. You know, a workplace tragedy doesn't just impact a single person. It causes ripple effects that impacts family members. It impacts friends. It impacts coworkers. It impacts communities for a lifetime. So control what you can control. Work safely. And remember that you matter. And that you also matter to someone else. That's what I would leave yeah. with everyone. Yep. Thank you very much for that, Eugene. And, and thank you very much for the listeners for joining us on this very special podcast. Um, thank you, Eugene. Thank you for having me.